Hi, everyone, and welcome to Technical Tuesdays, the podcast where we talk to technical folks, CTOs, software developers, CEOs, project managers. If they're making something, name it, we'll be talking to them. Today, I have a very special guest, Luca Smith from Popple. Welcome, Luca. Thank you for having me, Pete. Awesome, awesome. Could you start off by telling us about your personal journey and uh, you know how you got to where you are now? The Antler stock tapping basically. Right. About 10 weeks ago, which we just finished. How did I get to that? Yes, my whole career has been in tech working as a data scientist. Right. Which I got into because I, I studied maths. That was like my, my first love. And and yeah, I studied at the time where let's say deep learning was really taking off and really excited things were starting to happen in there. Uh, so I studied a, a research master's in machine learning. And I love that. I was pretty set on going and doing a PhD, becoming a researcher. Um, but just to fill some time before I started my PhD, I, I went and did a one month internship at a little startup called Nate. Nice. When they were first starting out, I was the fourth person there. Uh, what was supposed to be one month in a startup, I ended up pulling out of the PhD and taking a full-time job there. Wow, nice. Yeah. And that was a crazy experience. I was there from the start and saw the company grow to 200 employees over the next few years. Yeah, they raised like $50 million in funding and it was just a crazy roller coaster of a journey. I learned a ton. And yeah, that experience just really put this idea in my head that I want to go and do that myself. I want to go and start a startup. Nice. I want to, I want to build things. And yeah, that's what ultimately led me to, to Anna building Papa. What I'm doing today. Nice, nice. Those are the planting seeds for part of Papal. Nice. And exactly. what was your first coding project and what did it teach you? But maybe before we get to that, what is Papal for those of the listeners that don't know? Sure. So Papo is an AI language tutor. So I have been learning Portuguese for the past two years. And before that, I was learning Spanish. Nice. Uh, my, my girlfriend's Portuguese. Uh, so yeah, I've been learning Portuguese for a long time. And as you'll know, as a, as a language learner, learning languages is very difficult. Absolutely. And I tried so many different ways of learning language. I went to classes. I used all the popular apps. And what ended up working was hiring a private tutor and just talking to them. Even though at the start, I could barely say anything. It was the most awkward hour of my life trying to speak to someone in Portuguese. Uh, but I just stuck with it. And seemingly miraculously, I started to be able to speak Portuguese. And so that ChatGPT came out, I started playing around with it and thinking, like, can this new technology do what my tutor does for me or you know, anywhere close to what, what he does for me? And I was just pretty blown away by what I was able to do. So yeah, I started this little side project just for myself. Can I add the voice to the language model? Can I add the audio transcription and just kept adding things until this, this thing became a regular part of my language learning routine. Nice. And yeah, I shared it with my brother who'd been learning French for five years and he was pretty blown away by what it could do. And yeah, this, this became Papa. Nice. 
So that's the point when you and uh, Jake, your brother, who's in here at the moment, uh, decided you you guys are going to work on Pop-Up together. What was the first few like weeks like? Yes, it was tough. We we were both working full-time jobs. And so we started working on this in the evenings. And then very quickly, this became far more interesting uh, than our day jobs. So, yeah, it was a very tiring time to be doing a full-time job and then staying up all night writing code, staying in on the weekends writing code uh, until eventually reached a breaking point and we both had to quit our jobs and commit to doing this full-time. Thankfully, we decided pretty well with, with someone from Antler reaching out and asking if, if we were interested. So, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, nice, nice. Good job, good job. Yeah, so the question I was going to head on to is when, when did you do your first uh, coding project and what did you learn from that? Slack off. My first code project, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm some, one of these engineers who's kind of always had a, a side project on the go. Right. So when I started my first job at Nate, there was a couple of people there, uh, particularly the, the CTO. He was a really interesting guy. He, he never went to university. Nice. He was a welder, I think, in Israel. And he, he just kind of taught himself to code by doing these side projects. Uh, and he was, I think today is the best, best engineer I've worked with. Yeah, I found that really inspiring. So I started doing these, these little side projects. Right. I think the first one I ever did, I made an, an on-screen keyboard where you could write with your eyes. Wow. Yeah, you can go out and buy what's called the eye tracker. It looks like a little, remember the sensor bar for the Nintendo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might mount that onto your computer and it shoots infrared light into your eyes, picks up the reflection that can detect where you're looking. Um, and yeah, the, the idea for that came from my dad works at a school with people who are very disabled and are not able to speak. So the way they communicate is with these on-screen keyboards mm. with their eyes. But I had a look at them and they were incredibly slow because you had to stare at every like every key that you wanted to say for like three seconds just to select well wow. so you could imagine how that would be incredibly slow so the idea i had was why can't you make a keyboard that's kind of like the mobile swipe keyboards mm. on the way you just yeah, swipe yeah, your yeah. finger around so yeah, i built this keyboard where you kind of just look in the shape of the word you want to make and then I would pick up that trace of your, your eyes and try and predict with machine learning, what was the word that you were trying to say? Yeah, it works pretty well. You could, you could speak relatively quickly with this, this keyboard. Is pretty nice. Cool. Good job. That sounds interesting. And now that you're, you're CTO at Popple, right? Indeed. Yes. And what, what does your day, your typical day look like? Well, I wouldn't say I have a very typical day right now. So we just finished, we just finished Antler. Right. We pitched investment yesterday. Unfortunately, we, we didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, during Antler, there was no such thing as a typical day. Yeah, right. As you well know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a crazy mix of programming at weird times, building pitch decks, speaking with advisors and people in the industry. Yeah, and honestly, I, I don't know what's coming next. Right, right. We're going to take two weeks off to, to have a break and then plan our next steps. Are you going off to Portugal? 
Um, I've got a holiday booked to Italy. Oh, nice. Actually. Nice. Next week. Yeah. I hope to get back to Portugal soon. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, outside work, do you have any passion projects or hobbies that intersect with your technical skills? Well, I, I would describe coding as a hobby, I suppose. Nice. Like I said, I've always had, I've always had projects on the go. But if I'm not doing that, I try and do things that are physical. Nice. Yeah. Get away from the computer. Yeah, nice. That's quite healthy and productive. Yeah. Um, sure. Any sort of influencers in the tech space or just in general that have influenced your coding or career progression? I'd say there are many. Oh, nice. I mean, the, na the nature of the internet these days, I, I end up watching uh, YouTube videos from all sorts of people and pick things up from all over the place. I would say I've been more influenced, honestly, by colleagues I've had, especially at Nate. There are a few people that that I just always found really impressive. Nice. Yeah, I learned a lot. Nice. nice. What did you learn? Key things you say you learned? Well, I guess one of the, the best habit I picked up was this kind of side project habit. <laughs> nice. Like with early engineers, they just were constantly working on things on the side. And I would say that, honestly, I probably learned more more from my side projects than I have from my actual jobs over the past five years. Because when you do a side project, you're responsible for building the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think people are often surprised when I say I'm a data scientist and then they ask me how I've managed to build a language learning app. Like those aren't typically the skills you'd find in a data scientist. The reason is because I've done all these side projects where I had to build the whole stack, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think if you stick to your day job and that's all you do, you'll have a very, very narrow skill set. Right. Which is not something I've wanted to attempt. Are you currently working on any side projects now with Papo? <laughs> no. Papo is the only side project I need right now. Oh, nice. It's the main project, project all, all together. Cool, cool. I have no time for it. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's it's fun. Even you know, Popo started as a side project. Now it's your like your main focus. So that's, that's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. What what do you, what does work life balance look like for you? Yeah, it's I'm not the best at it. <laughs> like many entrepreneurial people, I'm sure you can can empathize. Uh, I think I'm I've always been like very happy to have periods of very intense work. Like the last ten weeks have been insane. Yeah. And that doesn't bother me as long as I get a break at the end. The next two weeks are going to be full on relaxation before we go back into another period of, of intense work. But beyond that, I, I try and work out. Yeah. I'm into powerlifting. Nice. I don't know if you know what that is. For some of the listeners that That's... don't know what powerlifting is, maybe you could give a short, short explanation. Sure, it's it's a strength sport where you compete in who can lift the most weight in the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. It's a, a hobby I picked up at university and have been doing ever since. Nice, nice. That's pretty cool. Seems like uni was quite a fun experience for you. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good to have a, a hobby that's very physical when you then spend 
the other, all the rest of your taste sat down at desk. Right. Nice. Where'd you go to uni? Yeah. Uh, I went to Exeter uni. Oh, nice. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Nice place. Cool. And how do you deal with stress, pressures, uh, you know, what, being in the tech-related field? I mean, my experiences so far of the tech field have been that they're not the most stressful jobs to have. Fair enough. I don't know. Like, I was saying both, both of the startups I've worked in, technical people were under the least stress generally. But maybe that was just my experience. I don't know. I would say that the Anla experience was definitely the most stressful thing I've done in a long time. Interesting. Yeah. yeah to have everything riding on you and to, to be pushed to do things that you're not comfortable with. Like during Anda, being able to sit down and write code felt like a nice treat. It's like, ah, <laughs> finally something I'm good at. It's, it's the other 90% of the time where you're supposed to be like selling yourself, selling your company, pitching. That's the hard part. Mm. Um, a lot of technical people, it's, yeah, you just don't get the, the chance in the industry typically to, to develop those skills when you work as a, a software engineer or a data scientist. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. perspective for sure. And any technical, non-technical book that have changed your, your life or influenced you today? I think there's a lot of books I've read that helped me come, become kind of obsessed with the idea of doing a startup. Nice. From, I don't know, the Steve Jobs biography. I love Shoe Dog. Yeah, nice. Love Shoe Dog as well. Really nice book. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love, I love the kind of, those kind of founder stories, right? Eventually the pop bros yeah. will have their own founder story. I hope so. No, absolutely. I mean, you guys work super hard. That's one thing I can definitely say about you guys. Like, you guys don't know when, when it's seven or eight or nine. You just know it's time to work. So that's 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 really impressive. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we weren't the most experienced team, but we we try and make up with it with hard work at least. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you manage to continue learning and stay motivated in such a rapidly changing field? Yeah, for me, I honestly, I don't really do much kind of formal. I don't make much effort to formally keep up with things, which doesn't sound very good, but like, I don't know. I've, I've never been good at just purposely learning stuff, like sailing down and saying, oh, I'm going to learn this new programming language or this new technology. I feel like the only way I've ever learned things well is by doing projects that I'm just, I want to do the project regardless of what technology it ends up needing. Right. And then if you do that enough times, you end up just learning what you need to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also how I, I got into coding. It's just like, I want to build something, have to figure out what I need to build it. And yeah. in the past 10 weeks, I, I think I like made three apps, which was like surprised myself, but how much can be done once you're like, okay, I want to do this thing what I need to do. So I definitely think mm. it's, it's projects teach you a lot, even just the infrastructure, like, okay, I'm going to need different types of data. How am I going to present it? And like you, you're doing it on the fly, 
And like you said, there's no one else but you who has to do everything, you know. I think one of the best things for me, you know, ha being a CTO of a startup, is like having a team and like, you know, I'm not a fan of like data stuff. So I immediately outsource that data structure stuff to somebody else and handle the elements that I like. However, it's like when you're on your own or, or starting from scratch, like starting from zero to one, you're going to be the data guy, the cloud guy, the front end guy. <laughs> you have yeah. to make sure all these things kind of work together. And any small bug, you're the one that's going to fix it. You're not going to like assign two developers. You know, can you guys do this? It's kind of quite a yeah. bit of stress, I think, you know, in the beginning where the, the entire app is your responsibility. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's. It's the only way to learn the stuff that you don't want to do, right? Absolutely. Like for me, it would be like infrastructure. I, I've made a dozen attempts in the past to sit down and read a book about Kubernetes or whatever, but it's just so uninteresting and unenjoyable for me personally. <laughs> the only way I've ever learned about it is like, I want to deploy Papo so someone can use it. Okay, like I will have to stay up all night figuring out how to get this to work on AWS. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much how you learn, right? Like, cause if, if it was up to you, oh. like, and I find it interesting, you know, like at uni, lots of people like, you know, computer science majors or whatever, like they just knew what they learned. Like if you were like, Hey, can you like do this? They were like, Oh no, how you do it? You know, it, cause your exposure is mm -hmm. limited to that specific domain that you haven't really tried to apply it in a different kind of way. So. I find that quite yes. interesting. Yeah, and I think it's uh, the best thing. I, I think as well that you get out of this doing these like side projects as an engineer is like after a while, you develop this like weird self confidence that you can just do whatever you need to do. Like once you have enough experience, you've done enough times. Yeah, you know, like for example, we we want to turn Papa now into a a mobile app. I've never built. A mobile app before but i have a no i have no worries that i can that i'll be able to do that mm. i won't it won't it won't be the best app out there on day one but like i have no doubt that i can go and build it yeah exactly because you've demonstrated yeah. to yourself multiple times with projects before like you can do it so you got that evidence yeah interesting good feeling cool cool what's one of the biggest misconceptions people often have about your job well, I, I think typically software engineers and data scientists are not given very much credit for having a business sense, mm. as it were. Like in the, in the roles I've worked in, especially data scientists are kept so far away from the business decisions and have no say or impact in that. And I think you would actually find that often engineers and data scientists, some of them are going to be actually some of the best decision makers in the company yeah. because that, they have this very objective data-driven logical way of thinking about things. Yeah. I would love to see, I would love to see more people bringing their engineers and the data scientists into business decision making. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I had a team of engineers and 
on one end, I had one engineer that was like a very strong advocate for like, hey, uh, you know, can we jump into customer interviews or when you're having a wider company meeting about business strategy, can we like chip in? And they had the best contributions in the sense of like where we want to go for a product, right? Like because of having engineers be part of the like wider company discussions or quickly able to say, hey, I don't think we should work on this project because actually this is how much it's going to cost to roll out and this is what you're going to need. And if this is the price point that you're trying to offer it, then how are you going to scale it? Things that we just thought like, yeah, by volume, this is good business. But from an engineer's point of view, it's like, actually, this is not the best way to go. So I, I definitely agree yeah. with you there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and the statistical mindset as well. Because, you know, a lot of companies try and make kind of data-driven decisions. But I've seen some really shocking misinterpretations of data and statistics from people who just, they don't have that training. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been the date. Oh, so are you saying something? I was just going to say, it's not every engineer is like this, right? Like I've also worked with a lot of engineers who have absolutely no interest in the business. Yeah. Yeah. They just like things. So I can see why there's this conception that. But there's this argument, right? Like that. You know, like if you, from a business point of view, right? Like if you've got an engineer that's business-minded, they have this like interest to understand what the business operations are, then they could potentially become a flight risk because they understand business decision-making and they can make product, which means they essentially have some of the most essential tools that they need to go. Someone like you, for example, now you have this business knowledge and you can write code. And if you, let's say you're employed, what's going to stop you from one day saying, hey, Oh no, we even make my own thing. So it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that should never be discouraged. For sure, yeah. 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 In, uh, yeah, in the first company I worked at, Nate, yep. they were they were really good, you know, at encouraging this kind of entrepreneurial yeah. vibe. Like the number of people, company doesn't exist anymore, but the number of people from that company who've gone on to start startups that are doing well is really, really impressive. And yeah, I think that comes from like, well, one hiring people who are that way inclined and yeah, there was just a lot of encouragement of like, you people here are going to go and leave and start your own company. And that's good. Nice. Nice. Can you share an instance when you failed at something and what you learned from it? <laughs> the obvious one to pick is, well, we didn't get the annual funding, but I think I haven't had enough time to really reflect on that to, to say what I've learned from it. I mean, in, in uh, Nate's first company I worked at, I was working for four years to build this, this machine learning model that could automate online checkouts. And yeah, four years on this one data science problem, super intense. And we never quite got there, although we made good progress. What I learned at the end of it was that we probably should have stopped to ask, even if we do build this, does it actually make a great business? You know? Yeah. Uh, the company ended up failing for, I guess, a variety of reasons. But it was never clear whether there was actually 
a real demand for that product. And I spent four years of my life building something that I'm not sure anyone ever really wanted. So I guess, I guess the lesson there is like, try and be really, really sure that people want what you're building. Because once you get started and there's many people involved and there's funding behind it, everyone just goes head down, execute the mission. So I think you really only have a very limited window at the start of the company right. to really figure out, do enough people really want this product? Right. Yeah. Lesson. Interesting. If you could go back in time to when you started your career, what advice would you give a younger version of yourself? Hmm. I think I would advise myself to go and do more networking. Interesting. Because I mean, networking for me is kind of a dirty word. I'm very introverted and I hate anything that's labels like traditional networking to go and make small talk. But I think uh, what I've learned in the last 10 weeks at Andler is like just how much you can learn from just being surrounded by people who are smarter than you right. and more experienced in what you want to do. And yeah, it's just kind of silly that I have been missing out on that for several years just because I don't like small talk. You know? Hey, there's power so, in knowing what the weather looks like. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, the nice thing about people at Anna is that there actually wasn't that much small talk because Everyone was so obsessed about startups and businesses. Absolutely, yeah. The, the conversation just immediately jumps to that, which I'm quite happy talking about. But yeah, I just like to go out and meet more people. Like you never know what you're going to learn from people and what like opportunities are going to spring out from. Yeah, absolutely. How is how has your career in technology affected your outlook on the world or your personal life? My career in technology. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I it leaves me optimistic. I'm very optimistic about the world of technology and and new technologies and what they'll do for people. It's made me quite skeptical of the world of venture capital, to be honest. I hear um, you. I don't know. There's a, yeah, I have to, have to have started my career in a company that raised so much money with relatively little I don't know, traction, proof that people wanted it. When there's, yeah, there's so many companies that do have that and won't get money because of other reasons. Yeah, once you understand the inner workings of C, I think you you will you have a different perspective, I guess. Mm. It's it's definitely yeah. a game of its own. Yeah. It's a game I need to, to learn to play. There's no way around it, unfortunately. If you wanna Yeah, if you wanna go and build the kind of things that I wanna build, then you have to learn to play that game. Yeah. And I and I guess really the, you know, every you know, 
I guess more related to kind of how you might be feeling at the moment with with the answer decision. I, you know, I I definitely think you guys put in a lot of work, and it's it's a tough decision to hear. However, I feel you know once you guys once it rests, you have a different perspective to look at it, and you know the only way you can just ever move up from this position is to rise up. You know, who knows what we'll be hearing about you guys in the future. You know, like yeah. it, it's it's probably you know, excuse my language, something shit to, to kind of get into at the moment. But as it all set us down yeah. and like, you know, you just keep on with the same attitude and just the same spirit. Um, you know, I definitely believe you guys have the, like the drive to get shit done. Like there's no mm. doubt in that area. And, you know, maybe it was more about like the business or the model or attracting users or whatever it is. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can always like go back to the drawing board and really figure out like, what are we best suited to do? Like, what can we actually do that? Like when we do it, there'll mm. be no doubts. Cause in terms of like, man, building an app in 10 weeks, that like you, you're rolling out updates, building the pitch, you know, getting in front of users that they I have no doubt you guys can do that. Cause you've demonstrated it. Mm. So it's like, you know, enough rambling about that. Anything surprising about you that not a lot of people know about. Surprising. I don't know. <laughs> Fun fact. I did that. Yeah, I don't know. Throwing a blank on that one. I'm a pretty normal guy. That's surprising. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the big surprise. Yeah. Cool, cool. And if you, I don't know if I asked this already, but if you were in the tech industry, what would you be doing? I mean, I really did love math, but I don't think I was ever quite smart enough to be a mathematician. I used to think I would like to work in the, in the city being like a quant. Yeah. I used to find the kind of stock market and the maths there very interesting. And it's like a fun game to try and to beat the odds there. But I don't think, I don't think my personality is cut out for that industry. <laughs> Good thing I ended up in tech. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It would it would always be some technical in some sense, whether it's maths or engineering or some other kind of science. Interesting. Interesting. And I guess almost close to the final question. If you had the power to change one thing about the tech industry, what would it be and why? Tech industry. Hmm. I would like engineers and data scientists to have more involvement in business. I don't know. Or just in general, like less, less rigidly defined roles, mm -hmm. you know, because like for me personally, it's going to be, yeah, if I uh, have to go and apply for a job, that's going to be very hard because there's no such job out there as doing a bit of everything like I would have to go and apply to be a software engineer or a data scientist and the expectation would be that that's all I do and if you're someone only like me that, that wants to get involved in everything and decision making just have to start your own uh, startup yeah I guess, I guess that's the only thing left to do <laughs> <laughs> run everything yourself
it's a, it's an affliction. I wish I would be more happy with just doing my data It'd be much less stressful. Hey, you can always go back, but I'm, I'm pretty sure if you did, you'd always feel like something's missing. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think once you've tasted the world of running your own company, it's always going to be difficult to go back. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's just so many possibilities with like, uh, running your own company, you know, like you can just increase your earnings, you know, like, or something can happen, you get a good deal. Like you never know what happens. Whereas I feel obviously there are some surprises with jobs, like either you lose it or you get a promotion. Well, not much, not many surprises, but yeah, no, I, yeah. sorry, go on. No, it's just, yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, if I want to get a job again, it will be, it just needs to be a very, very small company. Maybe uh, one of the, the teams at Anla that's just got a green light. Maybe I'll go in there. Hey, hey it wouldn't be a bad idea. Lots of learning experience <laughs> and uh, great value addition. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for uh, being one of the, our first few guests on this podcast. Learn, right. learn a lot about you, that you're surprisingly normal. <laughs> Into the powerlifting and just a little bit about your, your, your side projects. I think you're a really interesting guy, very humble, very hardworking. So it definitely demonstrates how much work you've done today and just the desire to keep on going. So thanks for making Papo. Thanks for the interview and, you know, uh, good luck moving forward. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. pleasure. Nice, nice. Awesome. All right. I have just stopped the recording.